Welcome to the Way Ministries Church Service with Pastor John Searcy. We invite you to join us on Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. For more teachings, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. You may also contact Pastor John by email at thewayministries001 at gmail.com. As always, it's always great to see everybody tonight to gather together as God's people. Amen. How's everybody doing tonight? Okay. Glad you all got here safely as the world seems to be in this panic state. That Let me tell you something. Christians should not be in that state of mind. We know that God has got our backs and protecting us. That's why we need to grow and understand these adversities. God's going to protect us no matter what. Amen. I'm resting in that peace and assurance, the promises of the Word of God, amen? It's just so glad to get here with our, our brothers and sisters and get a little reprieve from all that chaos out there, amen? God said this stuff was going to happen. It shouldn't be anything strange for us that these things were going to happen because of our uh, disobedience and rebellion against God and this nation, however direction it's going, that these things are going to happen. God's ways are higher than our ways, but He always protects His children that are faithful to Him. Amen? How's everybody doing with the, through the Bible in a year? Pretty well, huh? It's an awesome, awesome thing to read along with my brothers and sisters. It's just, as I'm doing it, I'm hearing like my brothers and sisters too, you know? Because I know that other people are listening. And then, yeah, and it's reaching beyond the four walls, right? We got the people in well, Australia. What do we got listening to that thing? The Philippines, this is reaching. So the devil's not too happy with us because it's God's Word that saves people. So when they get the Word, they get saved. They find salvation through His Word. Amen? And just remember, you're all part of that. As we jump onto that podcast, we're all parts of God's family. Amen? So each and every one of us play a part in that. So if you haven't jumped on board with that, jump on board and get involved. Amen? It goes way beyond these four walls. And God will bless you for it. Amen? Alright, so we're going to continue our study about spiritual growth. But first we're going to go to Isaiah 43.10 on the board. Isaiah 43.10. And especially the way the TV and everything hypes this thing up. I mean, I was in work just doing my job, not thinking about anything and this rest insurance and God is going to protect us. Amen? The world is in chaos. I'm resting in the Lord. Amen? That's what this is all about. Being able to rest in that when them times come. And trust in Him. Look what it says in verse 10. But you are my witness, O Israel. Today we're spiritual Israel. We are God's children. He's talking to us. Says the Lord. You are my servant. You have been chosen to know me. Do you realize that God chose to open your eyes so you can know Him and get a relationship with Him and what an honor that is in itself? Amen? People can't understand what we understand because their eyes are not open to it. They all think it's nonsense and foolishness. You have been chosen to know me, believe in me, and understand that I alone am God. There is no other God there never has been, and there never will be. Amen? So we have the right one and only true God in our lives, and that's an awesome truth. Amen? Look at verse 11. Yes, I am the Lord, and there is no other Savior. First I predicted your rescue, then I saved you and proclaimed it to the world. No foreign God has ever done this. You are witnesses that I am the only God, says the Lord. Now you look at your life that God saved you. How many, there is no other God. We know what God did in our lives, amen, and what He continues to do. And that's what He's doing as He gathers us. He has given us a purpose now, why we were ever created on planet Earth, to glorify Him and help build His kingdom and to find our purpose. Each and every one of us has a specific plan in God's will, 
for his for our lives. And that's an exciting thing for me. I'm just whatever. It's like, all right, Lord, use me, Isaiah said, the prophet. Who can I get to help? Use me. And he's using us for all these different things in our lives. And he's training us through all these different things in our lives. Amen? God is a good father. All right, we just have to remember that God always prepares us for what he has prepared for us and equips us for the work he wants us to do for him according to his purpose and will for us. Amen? So each one of us has a special purpose, okay, and varies by the individual, okay? But one thing all of us have to do is allow God access into our hearts and in our lives, okay, to develop his character in, into us in our daily lives so he can, we can do the work he has for us with joy and confidence and peace in the Holy Spirit, amen? And that very process the Bible calls sanctification, or Christ-likeness, or spiritual growth, which we're going to be studying on tonight. Again, this, not to confuse it with our salvation from the penalty of sin, which is a one-time event that can never be improved on. It's the perfect and finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Thank God, when we believe in Him, all our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future, and heaven is our home guaranteed as believers. Amen? That's the foundation from what we're going to be talking about tonight. Now, what do we do from there is God is working in our lives to change our lives and transform us into the people He created us to be so we could be an effect to the kingdom of darkness here. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. It's the, it's the finished work of cross of Jesus Christ that unifies us. Okay? We come here in the Spirit. That's what makes us unity. Okay? It's what we do after we get saved that shows the fruit of our salvation, okay? Or what we truly believe. The very reason why God saves us, amen? Remember, we don't have to accept the work God has for each and every one of us. He just wants us to experience the joy of knowing why He created us, saved us, to build His kingdom here on earth and become like His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? Go with me to Revelations chapter 3. I want to show you something there. And then we're going to get started. This is something that God revealed to me. Do we have to do the things He wants us to do down here? No, we don't have to. He gives us the desire we should want to. After what He really did for us, in reciprocation to that, we should want to do what He asks of us. And learn about Him. And find our purpose. Look what it says in Revelation 3, verse 19. There's the Lord Jesus Christ speaking here. I correct and discipline everyone I love. You see it? I correct and discipline everyone I love or save. God loves us that He saved us. That's why He saved us, because He loves us. Okay? So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Indifference to what? His principles. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, see, God doesn't intrude, invade us. He stands and he knocks, and if we let him in, he comes in. Look what it says. I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Then it says in verse 21, those who are victorious. What do you mean victorious? Victorious from what? Those who grow and become victorious over their sin nature will sit with me on my throne. You see it? Just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone who has ears to, ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Now what is he saying? Will sit with me on my throne. Not everybody that gets saved will sit with Jesus on his throne. It's the people that what overcome their sin nature and build his kingdom down here and overcoming the kingdom of darkness that will sit with him on his throne. That will be the reward of you doing his will down here. Amen. Not everyone is going to be sitting with him on his throne. Some of us are just going to get in by escaping from the flames. But if you want to sit with him on his throne, you have to deny yourself and allow God to change you and discipline and correct you and let you build his kingdom down here. And that's the reward for it. Can I get an amen for that? That's not... Look, we're all victorious over sin because we're all going to heaven. He's saying those who are victorious 
over their sin nature will sit with him on his throne. Just imagine. The effect you have down here in darkness will determine the reward you get when you get with him. Amen? Not everyone's going to be sitting with him on his throne. I'll tell you what. I want to be sitting with Jesus up there on his throne. And there's something I have to overcome. And that's the power of sin, my sin nature controlling my life. And that's how we get to sit next to him on his throne. Other than that, we're just going to get up there. I don't know about you, but I want everything the Lord has for me. How about you? That's an awesome, that's an awesome thing. For me it is. How about you? To grow. A, a, an awesome thing to grow in grace and knowledge. Alright, last time we got together we talked about this one thing. We're going to not talk too much more about it, but we had to go back and listen about eliminating weeds. Eliminating the things in your life that hinder you. Weeds are a sign of neglect. Okay? Weeds are a sign of neglect. And we have to understand the parable of the sower teaches us what happens when the, there are weeds or sins left unchecked in our lives. All right, let's just go to Matthew 13, 22 so we can get the context of what I'm talking about and what Jesus is talking about in Scripture. Is everybody with me so far? Is everybody getting connected here? Okay, good. He says in verse Matthew 13, verse 22, the seed which is the Word, okay? The seed is the Word of God. We understand that, right? The seed is the Word of God that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's Word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by what? The worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. So listen. How can... Um, to grow to full maturity, it's saying the lure of wealth. How many of us can get trapped in the lure of wealth down here and let that take over our lives and consume us and what? Have no, have us have no effect in the kingdom of darkness. It's a lure for us. A lure of wealth to become successful down here. Amen? But if you understand, this is not your permanent home to be reasonably happy here and to seek the kingdom above all else so he can produce the fruit needed. To overcome the sin nature. And it says, what else? The worries of this life. Now, everybody's worrying about this pandemic out there, right? Everybody's worried about that, right? And that takes us away from what? Believing what the Bible says about He's going to protect us. So we all follow the world and we get all crazy and thinking, oh boy, i got to protect myself and I can't gather. And we're not going to... Listen, God's got our backs. If we worry about that, we're not going to get the fruit of the salvation, and we're not going to produce what God wants us to produce. He wants us, now's the time to show stability as a Christian, saying, look, listen, if you're a believer, you're all set. Don't worry about that. Stay calm. Stay stable. If you're truly believing what the Word of God says, you won't fret over that, or wealth, or riches, or where your next dollar is going to come from. Because Jesus didn't even have a place to lay His head down. He trusted in the Lord each and every day. Right? One day at a time. Everybody's planning for the future when you don't even know if tomorrow's coming. Live every day like your last, the Bible tells us. And that's what can help. That's what, the, that's what can hinder us. Go to Psalms 119. And we're going to continue on and move on to the next principle. Look at verse 5. King David. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Or that my actions would consistently reflect what I believe. Okay? That's what he's saying. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life to your word. You see it? And as I learn your righteous regulations, and that's what we are doing, right? We're learning his word. And how do you thank him? By living as I should. Not by singing songs and doing all these dances. You thank the Lord for living the way He called you to live. That's how you thank Him. Can I get an amen for that? 
which I think Christians, it goes right over their heads. And all I have to do is believe it and live whatever way I want. No, that's not how we thank the Lord. We thank Him by living the way He saved us. Look, for Christians, a weed is anything that chokes spiritual productivity. The writer of Hebrews said, we should throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance, the race. Okay? So let's go by, let's read to, let's go to Psalm 139 while we're still in there. And we're going to continue. How many of us are ready for what he's going to say right here? Verse 24. Look what it says in Psalm 139, verse 24. Point out anything in me that offends you. How many of us are ready to hear that from the Lord? Point out anything in me that offends you. Not anybody else. Anything in me that offends you. And look what it says. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Amen? That is something where spiritual growth comes in. Alright, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 now. Look at verse 25. I love when the pages turn. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 25. All athletes are disciplined in their training. Okay? They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. See, we discipline our lives for an eternal prize. Like I said, so you sit on the throne with Jesus. All right, it's an eternal prize if we do that. Look what it says. So I run with purpose in every step. When you get up in the morning, do you understand that there's a purpose in every step of your life? Or are you just wandering in the wilderness like the nation was? You wake up and understand, God, okay, what's your purpose for me today? Is God the first thing that comes into your mind? Because that's what has to happen for this to take place. You say, okay, Lord, what will you have me do today? A purpose. You are here for a purpose. Look. So I run with purpose. and I'm not just shadow boxes. I'm not just chasing the wind. I discipline my body like an athlete. Now, all of us know when you go to the gym... How much discipline it takes to train for something or any kind of event like the marathon. Like if you were going to uh, run the Boston Marathon, would you say, all right, next week I'm going to do it without training for it? You know you ain't going to make it. Exactly. It's the same thing with our spiritual growth. You know if you don't train for it, when, when the time comes when God wants to use you, you're not going to be able to because you're not disciplined enough to do it, to serve his will or do his purpose for your life. Look what it says. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. You know when we have to say no to something that we know is not good for us? You know. We have to train ourselves to say no to that. Or else we're going to end up what? Doing it. It's something we have to fight against. Back in Genesis, he told, remember when Cain killed Abel? He says, sin seeks to master you, but you must master it. Are you mastering your sin nature when you go out there? Are you just falling prey to it? God is training us. That's why we come to church. He's training us to overcome that, which is going to give us life. He's trying to tell us it's our sin nature that chokes us. Look, I'd be training to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Now, I have to look at that scripture and say, here I am teaching this. Am I looking at my life to make sure that I'm not falling? Because if I fall, guess what? The leader, everybody else falls. I have a high call. I have to do, I, I can't do the things that God might allow other people to do. For what? The benefit of others. So nobody else will stumble from me. Amen. When you grow spiritually, you will, Paul said, I'll never drink wine or eat meat again if it causes one of my brothers to stumble. That's how you know you're not being selfish anymore. If you're being selfish and doing His will, that's how you know you're growing. See, I'm not going to do that because I don't want anybody else to fall into that. That might be weak.
so I'm not going to do it. Instead of saying, well, I'm saved and I can do anything I want, the Bible says, yeah, I can do anything, but not everything's beneficial to you. And you must not become a slave to it, the Bible says. Can I be a, be a, uh, a believer and enslaved to a, something in sin? Yes. Are you? They say, well, you're mature. If you're mature, you won't be enslaved by it. And most people won't confess it, so it still has power and lets them still enslave them. It's the unchecked baggage in our life that what? Hurts us and hinders us from growing. Psalm 32, 1 to 6. Let's go there. How many of us got a lot of baggage, Phil? Psalm, <laughs> Psalm 32. You know the things in your life that nobody ever knows about? But you know very well about them because they still control you. And you're afraid to let anybody know about it and let them die. Look what it says in 32 um, verse 1. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those who reckon the Lord has cleared of guilt. Greek version, read of sin. So what, when is you cleared of guilt? Look, when God saves you, he cleared you from all your sins. But if they're unconfessed sins in your life, you're still feeling the guilt from them. That's what it's saying. When you're cleared from them and you confess them, that's when you're cleared of them. Look what it says as it keeps going. Whose lives are lived in what? Complete honesty. Complete honesty. Or transparent. When I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away. It kills us inside. That's what it does. And I groaned all day long. You know it as well as I do. If you're a big complainer in Christianity, there's sins in your life that are weighing you down, making you a Christian complainer about everything. Look, and that's God. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. It's God who puts his hands on that. Our conscience is the discipline. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt or iniquity of my sin. We try to cover up the guilt from our sins and that's what weakens us spiritually. Okay? Like Adam covering his shame with fig leaves. Remember? We try to cover it through what? Getting busy, serving the Lord, doing substances, activities, so we don't feel the guilt anymore because of it, and I get hot and hot from it. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. You see it? Confession removes the inward stain of guilt from sin. Like a stubborn stain. Remember I talked about this last week? The stain, you get a stain on your shirt, and you keep trying to get rid of it, and you get it out of the washer and the dryer, you think it's all gone. And there it is again. It shows up. And it keeps showing up. And you can't get rid of it. It's the same thing with the sins in our lives. You try to get rid of them by doing things. But at the end of the day, you're left with yourself and you're still consumed by them. They don't go away. You notice that? And you try to bury them and bury them and bury them. Instead of just saying, you know, I'm going to get this out. i got to get this iniquity out of me so I can be free. It's like a stubborn stain. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there's still time that they might not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. It drowns us spiritually. God wants to cleanse us from everything. Now, how do I know that God would want us to... How about it? it says, look at James 5.16, and then we're going to move on, okay? I don't want to get past... I want, I want us to really understand how much this holds back people in their Christian life and their maturity. Remember when they were in the garden, Adam, they were hiding. They heard God. They were hiding from him. Why were they hiding from him? Because they had shame in them for what they did. That's what we do. We hide from God when there's shameful things in our heart. God can't go in there because there's something shameful in there. And all of us have stuff in there. Look what it says in verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You see it? The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Just imagine, just imagine, you clean out your life, all that nasty stuff from your past, 
all that sin, all that iniquity that you did, you confess it to the Lord and you get it out. You know, confession to somebody else has a cleansing effect. Once you get it out, it has cleansing power. So it frees you from it. It's no longer controlling you because you put it in the light and it died there. Amen? And look what it says. The prayers of getting right like that has great power and produces wonderful results. Is there anybody praying tonight that, that might be hindering your prayers from getting answered? You have to check yourself. The same. Well, maybe there's something still in me that's hindering my prayers that I need to get out of there. So it can be what? Of a righteous person. What's a righteous person? Of doing the right thing, of living right. We're all righteous to God, but we still got stuff inside of us that stains us and keeps us from living right. Can I get an amen for that? This is a real church. We're trying to get rid of all that so we can have a real effect on the darkness out there. Because if there's still darkness in you, it's not gonna, there's still gonna be darkness when you go out there. There's not gonna be any light emanating from you. All right, here's the next principle. Endure pruning. This is what God is doing in each and every one of our lives now. All the stuff that is good. Now, God doesn't give up on us, okay? Just because you're doing the right thing now, now he's going to prune you some more so you can produce even more fruit. Anybody ever have a grapevine? Well, if you know the old timers had grapevines, right? And they were beautiful, right? And they still had to prune even the good branches so, even the, so they can produce more fruit. If you've ever seen them, like the old, like I'm an old school Italian, and they had these fence things all, it was like a garage almost with grapevines. And they tended them and trimmed them. And these things, like everywhere you looked, there was grapes everywhere. Now, when I go out in the woods and look at grapes, they're like some bunch here and a bunch there. They're not falling, like nobody tended them. They're not like that. But when somebody tends that grapevine, it produces more and more fruit every year. This is what God's doing in our lives. He wants to produce more fruit in us every year. And if you're not letting him do that, you're sitting here as a Christian all miserable and stagnant. You're not letting him do more and more and more with your life. So you become stagnant and bitter. And what? Just not doing anything. Getting comfortable with that. God doesn't want us comfortable. He's going to start ruffling our feathers so we get moving. Endure pruning. John, all right, let's go. That's the third one. Endure pruning, divine discipline. This is the next principle. Let's go to John 15. I'm going to move on from there. And I like what Jesus says. He uses a grapevine. My grandfather had a grapevine. I mean, he had grapes. They were the size of like half dollars, the way he took care. I mean, every day he was out there trimming it, looking at it, and then chasing the birds away and everything. It was amazing. But he tended that grapevine. And that's what God's trying to do. He's trying to, he's trying to make us more, more, produce more fruit. Look what it says. Jesus says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. Jesus is the vine, right? Apart from me... We can do nothing, the Bible says, right? He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Now, if there's something in your life that doesn't produce fruit, that he's trying to cut off, and you still like, it's going to hurt. Because you still want it, and he says it's not producing anything, i got to get rid of it. And you're stubborn, and you don't want to get rid of it. But you know what God's doing. He's trying to trim it. And it's painful. I'm saying, Lord, how many, how much, how much pruning you gotta do? I ain't got nothing left. I ain't got nothing left in my life. And it's funny because he's real gentle. Remember, like we said, he takes away the head type, the jab you said, real slowly. He says, not all at once. You won't be able to handle it if I stripped you of everything. He works in us slowly and gradually. But some of us don't want to get rid of everything. So he keeps pruning. It's like, oh, that hurts. That hurts. I like that. That's not hurting anybody. God says, oh, yeah, it is. It's hurting you, so i got to get rid of it. See, if we think it's not hurting anybody else, oh, that's fine. But if it's hurting you, God's still going to prune it. <laughs> thank you. See, you thank the Lord. Because he's trying to prune off the stuff that doesn't produce anything or has no benefit to your life. <clears throat> and listen what it says. He cuts off every branch of mine 
that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they'll produce even more, which we're talking about the grapevines. They still trim the ones that do produce fruit, so they'll produce double the amount. You have already been pruned and purified, listen, by the message I have given you, which is the message of salvation that purified us from all sin. Remain in me, look what he says, remain in me, which is his word, and I in you, and I will remain in you. Jesus is saying very clearly, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. That's why when we get saved, the Bible tells us to remain in him by learning his word. This is how we grow. Remain in me is remaining in his word. You can't get saved, close the book, and think you're going to produce fruit now. It's not going to happen. You wish it would happen that easy, but we got a lot of people that are just lazy, don't want to get in here and read it. But God will make you want to read it someday because he's going to cause problems. We've got nowhere else to go. Say nothing else is working. I'm trying to escape from all these things and it's coming right back at me. So I might as well get in here and let God handle it. That's how he does it. And how stubborn we are is up to us. <laughs> Every good gardener realizes that pruning is essential for an increased productivity. Okay? All the dead branches need to be cut away as well as some of the living ones to improve the quality of the tree and to stimulate new growth. You see it? So even though we're doing good and we're growing, he trims us some more so we can produce more. He never stops pruning us. So we have to come to an understanding of that we never arrive. See, this is where spiritual pride comes in. People think, I've been going to church and reading my Bible faithfully for years. I've arrived and there's no more pruning to be done. And then we sit there and absolutely produce nothing anymore. Because you're not letting God prune you. And this is what happens in stale Christianity today. The ones that have, have been around for a long time are not doing anything with it. And they're stagnant in their spiritual growth. And you know what? God sends new believers to what? Catch them back on fire again. Because the new believers are on fire and they want to do something for God. And the old believers that are sitting there, I'm just waiting to go home to be with the Lord. I'm comfortable. I'm not doing anything for the church or for the people or for anything. I'm still doing everything for me. I'm just waiting to go home. I'm just going to go to church and go through the motions. And that's what happens. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 12. Because Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, right? So this is, think about, think about, like I said before, somebody that's read the Bible a few times, or somebody that's a little plant, only needs a little water, like you might be able to get the Bible promises in, or, or some encouraging little, um, you know, you buy them little books, and the little prayer comes up, and a little tidbit for all day, every day, and that'll sustain you for a while when you're young. But after a while, you have to get deeper and deeper in it and require more. So you start reading the Word of God. Then you grow. As a tree grows, it requires more water, which is more of this. And people get stagnant and say, well, I read the Bible a couple of times. I'm all set. I don't have to keep reading it. No, Jesus said, what you have will be taken from you if you don't keep doing it. And you'll forget. So the more you grow, the more you need. The more fertilizer you need. Not less. Now look what it says in Hebrews 12, verse 5. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as His children? My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when He corrects you. How many of us give up when God's correcting us? We all think that everybody else needs to get corrected, and He's correcting us, and we end up giving up. See, I'm going to church and pour money, and why am I going through all this? Because you need the correction, not someone else. They need it too, but God will deal with them. He wants to deal with you. 
You see it? Don't give up when he corrects. How many don't understand that principle and is not taught to them as Christians? And when he tries to discipline them, they walk away from God and go back to the world again. Because they don't understand how God works because they never were taught properly. All they were taught about, name it, claim it, you're going to get blessed. Just accept Jesus and everything's going to be fine. And then when everything's not fine, well, it's a bunch of baloney. Everything's not fine. Because they were instructed, poorly instructed. And they didn't understand the Word of God. Look what it says. For the Lord disciplines those He loves. And He punishes or corrects. I don't like that word, punishes. Each one He accepts as His child. And He's quoting Proverbs 3, 11 to 12 there, which is the Old Testament. As you endure this in divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as His own children. Okay? Who ever heard of a child who was never disciplined by his father? Well, the ones that have never been, you see them out there. Oh my God, they're like wild. They think the world owes them everything. They don't have any manners or anything. All they do is cuss and swear and everything else. They have nothing. Nobody ever corrected them or disciplined them. They're like wild horses out in the world. <coughs> exactly. They're brats, right? Spoil that's what you say. What a spoiled brat. You know, you, you give you, you give the kid a car when he's 16, you give him a, a, you know, 72 Pinto. So he doesn't, you know, so he learns it. No, I want a Corvette. So they give him a Corvette and he rolls it over six times on the highway and kills himself. Because he wasn't ready to drive a Corvette. And that's what actually happened with a friend of mine. That they gave him, the father gave him a brand new Corvette and the kid rolled it over and died. How can you expect a 16-year-old to drive a Corvette with 800 horsepower and not expect the speed and not, not know how to handle it. You give them a 72 Pinto that burns oil, they can't go over 25 miles an hour and you're okay. And you'll learn from it. How about an amen? I know I had a... Uh, it was a feeling my father gave me. An old feeling. But that's this is an example. I mean, there could be a lot of other things too that, you know, you know, a kid turns sixteen, they buy him a house, you know, expect him to take care of it. Really? Yeah, there's no discipline involved. Look what it says. Look what it says now. Listen. Look at verse eight. If God doesn't discipline you or correct you as he does all of his children, it means that you're illegitimate and not really his. So really, when you're getting corrected by the Lord, you should thankfully, thankful, saying, God loves me enough to correct me. Instead of getting bitter, we should be getting better. That's what maturity is. The fruit is supposed to get better, not bitter, as they get pruned. That's, that's the truth of the Bible, you see? Look what it says. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of our Father, of our spirits, and live forever? Or and really live? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us. See it? God's discipline is always good for us. Can we always see it when it's happening? We do not see discipline good for us when it's happening. Look what it says. It says it right here. It's always good for us so that we might share in His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. Can I get an amen for that? Okay, that means there's pain involved in growing as a Christian. Get it through your head. There's pain involved. Thank God there's pain. Because pain is a good motivator for change. But afterward, afterward, the correction comes, there will be a what? Peaceful harvest of right living or righteousness for those who are trained in this way. So look at it says. So take a new grip with your tired hands. You beat up Christian, your hands tired. It's saying, take a new grip. You just heard some awesome truth of God's doing in your life. Take a new grip now. It's saying, with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path to your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong from it. Amen? So when you remain strong when you're getting disciplined, when the young believer comes up, and gets them, you could be strong for them and say, listen, it's going to be okay. I've been through the same thing. It's okay. It's going to, you're going to come out better. Just hang in there. But if you fall, how are they going to be able to stand? They'll fall too. You'll fall with, they'll fall with you. 
That's why it's important to help encourage other believers by, by doing the right thing and living a good life so we can bring others into the kingdom. All right, Psalm 119, verse 67. Look at this one. God says that we're sheep, we're sheep and we're prone to what? Does anybody really agree with that? Absolutely, right? We can agree with that, right? We've been taught well here to know that we're prone to wander. No matter how much we learn about God and read His Word, we're still prone to wander. Now look what it says. Look what he says. Look at King David. I love, I love Psalm 119, by the way. I used to wander off until you disciplined me. You see it? But now I closely follow your word. You see it? I know. Look, look what it says. In, go to verse 75. Move to verse 75. Same chapter. I know, O oh Lord, that your regulations are fair. Look at what he said. You disciplined me because I needed it. How many of us are there right now to say, thank you, God, for disciplining me. I needed it. That is maturity in the faith of a Christian. To understand that you disciplined me, Lord, and I needed it. And thank you. And I am no longer going to get bitter from it. I am going to get better. And if you're getting bitter, that means you are still immature. And that's just the way it is. Is God still love you? Yes. But don't tell me you're mature if you're getting bitter. If you say I needed it, no, we could always say you needed it. I'm glad God did that because you needed it. No, he did it because I needed it. Thank you, Lord, for disciplining me. I need it. You know the finger point is, right? I'm like this because of this. You, you, you talk to me this way. That's why I, have, I justify the way I behave. Because you treated me this way. Do you really think that's mature? No. That's the most immature thing you can do. Is to blame someone else for your behavior. You did it, I did it, because you did it to me. But what about, you know when somebody corrects you, you say somebody about you, but what about you? Well, no, God's talking to you right now. He'll deal with me later. What about you? See it? What about me? You love to bounce it. Remember? Remember Adam? It was the girl you gave me that made me eat the apple. The girl said it was the devil that made me eat it. No, no, you chose to eat it, and so did Adam. But everybody blames everybody else for that. Passing the buck. And we've been passing the buck ever since for our behavior. We've been passing it ever since. There's nothing wrong with me. It's you. How about an amen for that? That was something bitter stuff that comes out sweet when you can admit it. You disciplined me because I needed it. Amen. For Christians, pruning is not optional. It is not optional. If you are going to grow to maturity and bear the maximum amount of quality fruit, you will experience times of pruning. When you do, recognize that it is God who is pruning you. Don't blame people. It's God who's pruning you. And he might be sending somebody to do it. Don't blame them. It's God doing it. Not to hurt you, but to help you. You see it? God prunes us to help us. You know, my wife comes up to me with something I don't like. I don't like it, but she's doing it to help me because she loves me. God's correcting me because he loves me. He's correcting you because he loves you. He wants you to see that it's not good for you. And he might just put the person you're sitting next to in there to show you and tell you. And I'm grateful that she tells me because then I can do something about it. Instead of bouncing it back on her and saying, what about you? No, no, no. God spoke through her to me. <laughs> Quiet. Listen, you will ex listen, you will experience. When you do recognize that it's God who's pruning you, not to hurt you, but if you don't have a significant other and God someone else, send someone else into your life to prune you. If you're a mature Christian, you'll thank the Lord because you needed it. Just like it says. Just like King David. 
You've disciplined me because I needed it. Now, King David was a man after God's own heart, and we know he had a lot of failures. But let me tell you something. He repented from that, and he paid an awful price for his sins. Don't think that you get away with sin down here. There's a consequence for it. Even though you're forgiven, you might have to reap that for the rest of your life, Then those things you choose to do. They might not ever go away. There's some of the things I did in my past that are still coming up to bite me. But I'm forgiven, but they're still there. They're consequences for my actions. Now listen, he's working on you to make you more fruitful than you ever could imagine you could be. So become mature. So we become mature, better ripe fruit, not bitter, immature fruit. Amen? So we get pruned and we become better fruit. You know, if you eat a, a tomato or a grape before it's ripe, what does it taste? Exactly. He wants to make us what? Better, not bitter. Bitterness is going backwards is what I'm trying to say. That's immature fruit. Better is mature, ripe fruit. Nice and sweet. There you go. You come out nice and sweet. Are you nice and sweet? Let me, let me ask you this. When you go out there, are you a sweet person? Or are you just one of them miserable Christians that are bitter because God is pruning you? Don't answer that. You go look in the mirror when you get home and say, I say I'm mature. Am I really? And then you'll find out. Are you sweet? Are you sweet and ripe when you talk to people? Or are you bitter and sour? Guess whose choice it is? Yours. And that's going to show you where you're at. Okay? That's only going to show you where you're at. What comes out of your mouth is really what's in your heart, the Bible says. So there's nothing to be bad. It's good. It's good to see that what's coming out of me needs to be pruned some more so I can become sweet. Any bitter people in here? Are you bitter what God's doing in your life? Or are you sweet and loving and better? Are you becoming more like Christ from his training? Or are you becoming more like who? There's two. Christ or Satan? Does God love me anyway? Yes, he does. All right. Got really quiet in here. You know why? Because we never really take a look and see what, how we're really acting and behaving out there. Because that's showing how much fruit we have. Sweet, mature, ripe fruit. So wherever you go, right? Who comes out? Jesus. Jesus comes out because Jesus is sweet and tender and compassionate. So if you're coming here, reading the Bible and learning, you should be coming sweet, tender, and compassionate from it. Not bitter and sour. Can I get an amen for that? It's a good thing. Listen, it's not to condemn you, it's to correct you. Say, listen, I'm right. God, I need some work, man. I need a good overhauling. I'm not where I think I am. What I'm, what's coming out of my showing me that I'm not. And I got to admit that to God, and I have to admit that to someone else, that I'm humble enough to admit that I ain't all that I ought to be. And that's where you get better. When you can become humble enough to say, I ain't all that in a bag of chips after all. How about an amen? amen. Uh, this is a church for healing people. You can't heal what ain't broken. Amen? Okay. Job, all right, we're going to close here. Job chapter 5. And then we, we already got through that principle now of pruning. A little painful principle, but we got through it. Hopefully it'll make you better and make you take a look at it and see what needs to be corrected. And by the way, don't you go correcting people when you're not corrected. That's the worst thing you can do, is try to be a corrector before you're corrected. That's why, you know what, God needs to, if you want to serve God, you have to get corrected and trained for us so you can serve Him properly, amen? So people can see Christ. Look what it says in verse um, Job 5, verse 17. This is the truth of God's Word. Now, has anybody read the book of Job? Do you really think you can compare your life to His? 
So what you think you're going through right now, compare it to Job, and then you can smile. Say, thank you, Lord, that you didn't put me through that. <laughs> Look what it says. Look at verse 17. Now, he had, he had the maturity to be able to say this after everything that he happened to him. But consider the joy of those corrected by God. Do not despise the discipline of the Almighty when you sin. Not if, when you sin. For though he wounds, he also bandages. He strikes, but his hands also heal. You see it? So don't worry. Whatever season you're in of your discipline, he's going to wound you and he's going to bandage you up again and you're going to come out twice the better person that you were before you went in the fire. If you handle it right. Or you're going to become a bitter, non-testimonial Christian that nobody wants to be around. How about an amen for that? And you'll know it because nobody wants to be near you. Who wants to be near somebody that's always barking at people? And bitter and complaining about everything in their life. <laughs> oh, I had to pay ten dollars more for gas this week. My life is a mess. Oh, really? Stop it! Stop it! Really? Who in the stock market crashed today? How am I gonna get by? You know? <laughs> really? Everybody's like, "One, oh my god!" Really? You go buy it, you got get you through the day. Don't worry. What am I going to do? No sports. Oh, my God. I can't watch TV. I can't watch the sports. What am I going to do? Oh, my God. I got nothing to talk to anybody about. You know what? Maybe God's doing that so you talk more about him instead of the game. <laughs> now, have a clap for God on that one. Thank you, Lord, for getting rid of all that junk that means nothing. Has no eternal value. Amen? All right, we're going to close there. Thank you for letting me share that. God is good. Amen? Thank you. Brittany's going to come up and sing, and we're going to close.